Welcome to Wine Fault, a podcast where your imperfections enhance the experience. I'm your host, Helen. Welcome to the show. I am excited today because I'm introducing a new segment where I'm interviewing guests. And before I introduce the chosen person for this first episode, I definitely want to introduce a guest star. So if you have the privilege of coming in studio for an interview, then you have to know that I'm going to open up something pretty magical. So today we are drinking a 2011 Westerly Fletcher's Blend. This is out of Happy Canyon, Santa Barbara, and only 347 cases of this wine were produced. So I am pulling out all the stops for our guest without further introduction, Nikosi Nelson, my husband. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for that fantastic welcome. Um, It is indeed an honor to be um, on your show. Um, Thank you for opening up um, such a rare bottle of wine for us. It is absolutely fantastic. Um, I am I'm excited to see you share your wine knowledge on this platform. Um, I'm you are responsible for everything I know about wine. This is just another um, platform to share your expertise with the world. So I am super excited to be a part of it. I'm super excited to have this conversation today. And so um, again, thank you for um, inviting me, and thank you for. Um, again, everything I know about wine for sure. Oh, that's nice. Cheers. So what do you think about the wine? It's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> what else were you going to say? That's yeah, awesome. um, certainly uh, fruit forward. I'm tasting maybe some plum. Um, it's it, it's it's absolutely fantastic. What do you think about the wine? You you, you can speak better than I can. Right. Definitely. It. So this wine is definitely a, a dark ruby in color. Uh, it's a blend. So there are a few complexities that it's introducing with kind of the first pass of the tasting. I'm picking up on pomegranate, a little bit of allspice, definitely cranberry. So overall, uh, a bouquet uh, and some red plum kind of underneath too, some like stewed red plum on the palate. It's it's a medium bodied wine. Um really balanced, very juicy and to your point, like fruit forward, the the flavor profile, the flavor profile is red currant and, and red plum, as I mentioned, with some mineralities and definitely hints of oak. Also, as I mentioned, like on the finish, there's just kind of a little bit of, of red pepper uh, and pomegranate. The finish is dry. It's mainly fruit but some moderate tannins as well it just kind of lingers on your palate really nicely so this is a really well-rounded wine and definitely was was ready to drink some nine years after it was was bottled a very select few cases were made of this wine so happy that we we got to share this wine and and this moment together so just to jump right in what are you normally drinking around this time of year yeah, so um, you know, you may know my go-to are reds. Um, I typically like to drink 
Zinfandels and Primitivos. Um, and so obviously in the fall, winter works right out of the bottle, grabbing out of the cellar. But um, in the summer, I like to chill it, maybe bring it down a little bit just to calm it down. But that's my go-to. I love that. Love that. Love that. Yeah. And so um, one, you know, I remember when you were starting up and you had this concept around um, seedless grapes. And so would love to kind of just chat a little bit about that. Um, and, and where did that generate? What does seedless kind of mean to you? Yeah, well, most people are very familiar with seedless grapes. Uh, you pick them up in your produce section. And so, you know, it's something that's easily identifiable. It's also kind of a kind of a cheeky play on grapes, right? Because table grapes or grapes that we encounter in the produce section aren't the same types of grapes that are grown and, and bear wine uh, in the vineyard. And so there's there's that kind of complexity already introduced to the definition. But at the core of what I meant by that is truly about seed or a seed being planted in someone's household or heritage around wine and how they interact with wine and a familiarity based on like upbringing or like I said, exposure at whatever age. And in my household, that was not the case. I pretty much grew up in a dry household where my parents did not consume alcohol. You know, I don't have any recollection of them consuming alcohol in my presence before the age of like 21, 22. I was definitely in law school, mind blown when I had a first drink with my dad. But the seedless component of it um, is, you know, a wine drinker without any roots in wine, without any kind of hereditary or seeded connection to it. And so we're all just going throughout this journey of drinking wine um, without any foundation, but very much like rooted and together and bonded by, you know, what we love to taste and what we love to enjoy about wine. I love it. I love it. So even as you, um, you know, you mentioned your childhood, interesting enough, or there was any kind of family gathering, there sure was a bar set up in the corner, um, primarily whiskey, some beer. But as I recall, like I never remember seeing wine as a part of like that selection. And they were truly setting up the bar not only for them, but for their friends and their network. So I yeah. probably can deduce that like there were not enough people in their network that were demanding wine. And so... I am too kind of a seedless grape in that sense of where in my adulthood is when I discovered wine. Yeah. And so you're making, you know, to that point, you're making a connection now around wine that really will, you know, permeate throughout your group. So I like the fact that the introduction of wine are coming when we've had, you know, so many influences and so much exposure and travel and all of these great things that really inform like your wine drinking and purchasing decisions. And you're making the decision kind of at the point of need or at the point of desire, which is really cool because, you know, it's going to send you in a lot of cool different directions and really introduce like innovation and creativity into your choices. And by extension, right, you're going to have folks over and they're going to benefit from that exploration as well and and you from there so it's it's a really cool environment and, and community that that's being created so you mentioned seeing the bar being set up as a child and your family communing around like beer and spirits and like those kinds of things being served 
and making choices now around wanting to drink wine, you know, along with other things. So I just wonder, as you create this sense of community, does that spill over into like when men get together and, you know, you all fellowship or are men mostly drinking wine? Yeah, I mean, growing up again, you know, there was just something kind of mystique about wine. Um, and it, in, in some ways, I felt it was off limits. Um, but I do remember probably my late 20s when more and more I would see my friends kind of in social settings choose to drink wine. And the truth is, at the time, it felt more like a signal of like maturity where folks were just kind of like signaling or demonstrating a level of maturity or sophistication building into preference. But as I can say now, as I think about those settings and think about the fellowship, wine is a part of the staple. People are again stocking the bar with just as much wine as spirits. And in some ways, choosing not to drink beer and choosing to drink wine instead of beer. But um, it's, you know, obviously as we've matured, wine has just become a little more accessible um, and aligned to kind of the type of fellowship that we're looking to have. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool because, you know, there are no lines, there are no rules. Everyone's seedless, so to speak, and you're just making the decisions that feel right for the moment and and creating real kind of memories around that. Um, so, So we are the proud parents of two two daughters and you know I wonder you know how they'll engage wine or appreciate wine because you know does that make them like a seeded grape (laughs) because they have two parents who are uh who 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 have a wine cellar yeah I mean you know I, I certainly believe that there will be some form of kind of exploration and kind of education as a part of that and so they will at the very least know that there's a sophistication to it they know that there's some learning that's involved right and so in some ways I'd imagine them being very curious about you know your experience um, and, and they're obviously able to shadow and witness your wine journey and so I would imagine that's going to impact them and influence their drinking patterns when when (laughs) When it's time right we're still parents when it's time for sure so want to get your opinions from a quick ripped from the headlines back in 2018 lebron james was quoted in the usa today saying that his sons at the time ages 14 and 11 drink wine with their dad lebron as we know has a vicious wine collection and he's quite the wine connoisseur and he said like it's okay for his kids his sons in particular to drink wine with him and you know it's just a testament of how mature they are what are your thoughts about that yeah what are my thoughts so first of all certainly cannot comment on anyone and that's parenting one-on-one don't comment (laughs) on anyone else's parenting um approach because we're not all perfect out here um Second of all, LeBron is in a completely different class and has, <laughs> you know, a hundred X more dollars than I have, probably a thousand X more, <laughs> if not a million X more. So um, I certainly can't speak to anything and any decisions LeBron is making. Um, but, you know, in one light, 
So outside of the drinking, let's go into like the benefits of exposing your child to wine, right? One is I would imagine um, that LeBron is is teaching his children about the investments around wine and potentially thinking about the economics around wine. LeBron might be at the dinner table talking about owning a vineyard as we once were thinking about going to South Africa and doing that. They might be, you know, talking about uh, production or distribution. And so I I would imagine and I would hope I, that that conversation is going that far. And so, you know, he may be training their palate for something bigger than we know. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, as I think about parenting and it really is about creating these boundaries and assessing the maturity, assessing kind of what's appropriate, what's age appropriate, what's just appropriate for your child and being able to expand those boundaries in your presence. And so, you know, I leave it to LeBron to kind of know the maturity of his own kids. No, that's a great, great point. I think as uh, as parents, there's no manual for this. And we are, you know, ambassadors of this world for our children, kind of taking them around in a sightseeing fashion through all that we've experienced and even things we get to experience anew or again through their eyes. And you're right, like, you know, exposure to the finest things or certainly what your parents are interested in and what they value um, and what they appreciate can in exchange, like rub off on your kids and what a beautiful thing, right? To have the appreciation of wine be passed down to your kids as a legacy like that, that would, that's, that's pretty amazing and outside the box. I think a cool metaphor for, you know, parenting and wine for sure kind of takes me back to the vineyard when you look at the yield of, you know, any harvest, you think about all that it could produce and the potential that it has. And that's how I approach parenting. Our children have so much potential and I think they have so much to yield from being, you know, harvested and being refined and pruned by their parents. And the possibilities are just endless as, as they say in the wine world, you know, Grapes are are infants in the vineyard and they are adolescents and juveniles and even teenagers in the bottle. And it's up to us to to raise them and treat them right and uh, model, you know, good practices and good behavior for them so that when they do express themselves in the most optimal ways that they're prepared Uh, with all the kind of nurturing that we can give them. So that's my metaphor for for parenting and wine, for sure. No, that was absolutely beautiful. Um, I need to write that one down. But uh, (laughs) that was a good connection to parenting and wine. If I had to think of my metaphor, I'm going to try your trick of, of some alliteration, right? But I think there's probably, there is presence, Patience and perfection. And so when I think about presence, I, I, I think about when we were first introduced to wine when we were in South Africa. And I remember wanting to, we were playing the role of tourists at the time and we were ready to go, you know, to, to, to Table Mountain and running around. And I remember at every time, at every dinner, we were just sitting back and wine kept flowing. Just chilling. And they were just saying, just slow down, American. <laughs> You know, slow down and chill and enjoy be patient life. and enjoy life, right? Mm-hmm. And so 
Um, when I think of even drinking wine, it still brings me back to that, right? Of just like right. that peace that comes. Um, and so with kids, it's the same thing, right? Is oftentimes just being present, whether that's putting the phone down, whether that's just connecting, whether that's looking them in the eye and answering a question, right? Um, and then you think about patience. And, and so with kids, that that's self-explanatory, the amount of patience that is required on a given day. Um, but if, you know, I think of patience in terms of the bottles of wine, right? We think about the wine. We just drank today, nine years old, and um, we both have bottles for our kids. And mm-hmm. we'll be super excited when we pop those open on their 21st birthday. But we think about this idea of just you know, fine wine and getting better with time. And, and so I think about patience in that sense. Um, and the last piece is perfection, right? And so one I could imagine, you know, and, and, and through your training, you've kind of taught me that the, the winemaker is trying to make the perfect bottle every time. Right. Um, I think about when I walk into a store and I'm thinking about the occasion or thinking about the instructions I might have to bring home that perfect bottle. <laughs> and, and so it's not always perfect, right? But it's always this stride towards perfection, um, finding that bottle that meets that moment, right? And then right. kids is the very same thing, knowing that Every day you won't be perfect, but you give it a try. Um, I remember um, just the other day we were watching actually Transformation Church um, mm-hmm. at the end, and, and the sermon was actually pretty heavy. And Sydney was watching there with me, and I turned to her and I asked, you know, what are you thinking? And um, she said, I'm not thinking anything. And one reaction could have been like, you're not thinking anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you has to be something. Um, but I told her, again, the perfect words came up. And I just said, um, you may just be in, you may be processing your thoughts. And that's completely okay. Just to say, I don't know. I have a lot of ideas, but I'm still processing. And so in that moment, I found those perfect kind of guiding words and her reaction to that in that moment was indeed perfect. And so those are kind of just even the parenting moments that um, that I enjoy. And that would be kind of my metaphor, right? This idea of being present, patient, and kind of just strive for perfection. Yeah, I think, well, I love alliteration. So, you know, nine points for that. No, but I think, um, I think that was a great answer. And, you know, I think just to layer on a metaphor with a metaphor with a metaphor, um, wine meets you where you are and it gives you just enough to enhance the very moment that you are in and to create a memory and an impression, an indelible mark on your brain and your palate and all the ways that, uh, and all the, the senses that you use to fully engage the wine. And that's parenting as well. Like there is no manual, but at the right place at the right time, in a moment that matters, everything will come together. And it's just a beautiful thing every single time. I love it. Well, thanks for being on the show. It is an absolute honor to share this studio space with you. Um, this is, I'm so excited for what you're doing. So excited for, um, for Wine Fault. And um, you're going to blow the podcast world up. And so don't forget about the little people. <laughs> I don't know who that is, but thank you for uh, for coming on and uh, I'll see you on the couch. Now that was the perfect pour. Thanks for joining this week on Wine Fault, a podcast where your imperfections enhance the experience. 
I've been your host, Helen. Please subscribe to the podcast and follow me on Instagram at seedless underscore som. That's seedless underscore S-O-M-M. Until next time, please take care of one another and drink responsibly.